Hey, here we are in the abyss. Here we are down in the abyss I, of doom. I'm in the abyss, yes. In the, in the dungeons of time, <sighs> in the sands of quarantine. Um, uh, how you guys doing? You guys all right? Quarantine, quarantine is an opportunity for self-development. That's what I've always said, you know. Whenever you are, whenever you're um, temporarily out of work, it's it's a chance to really uh, improve your skills. And I'm adding making oatmeal raisin cookies to my skill set. That is a very so, valuable skill. As soon as we get off this uh, this uh, this podcast phone call, I'm gonna go make some treats for the family. <laughs> Um, the family being you I, and your ex-girlfriend is that right <laughs> yes yeah you, you don't right. even have any you don't you're not even a weirdo in the sense that you have cats like you can't be like my family and then just like a cat pops up it's just <laughs> my uh my quarantine a, community yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just me and my volleyball wilson <laughs> castaways uh, on I, pacheco island yeah i have to say uh Everything that you guys have experienced is um, literally the opposite of what <laughs> what I've experienced. I've been outside every single day. Wow! Uh, I've been I've been out in the world. I've been delivering things. Uh, it has been, and I have to tell you, I I can see why people would go crazy otherwise. Because the first week that like the kind of like informal quarantine happened in New York City, I was I was definitely feeling feeling weird but then i just had to go outside because of my bike messenger job and my delivery job and uh feels great dude yeah it's uh it's it's super tight also uh there is nobody in manhattan it's like it's like you could just like it's like quarantine from from what because there's like I, i could like ride the opposite direction on fifth avenue for streets at a time and not see a single car it's really it's really wild um from what i understand about manhattan it just reminds me of that one onion article um that was like everyone realizes new york fucking sucks and leaves um do you remember that one uh no but i i just imagine danny as uh will smith and i am legend yeah just like yeah yeah (laughs) Dude, I whenever I get whenever I get down my fav I my favorite and I can what I contend is the best onion article. I always think about it and the the um the headline is just a uh, flying squirrel loves it every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one. It's the best one. It's That's really beautiful. great. That's beautiful. Danny, I really yeah. hope that you are wearing gloves though and sometimes wearing a face mask because like right <laughs> You know, you're you're out there every day, and they scare us every day that this thing is that this that's how you're going to catch the coronavirus is just being being out in these streets. You know? Yeah, yeah, Danny, you being whimsy, you're like a you being like full of whimsy oh. is like the is the biggest reason why we are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like a like yeah. a Wuhan uh, like wet market bat over here, just bike riding around the city. <laughs> I am. Um, well, it's really strange too because I, I would say, I mean. First of all, uh, I definitely am out there uh, fairly sanitized. I wear gloves essentially all the time, and you know I'll blast them with Lysol every once in a while just to sort of like take this take the sting off of them. But then, like all the restaurants that I'm delivering to and from, essentially they're all 
there's they're they're operating on skeleton crews. They'll usually have um you've probably seen this like a door, base or excuse me a table in front of their front door. So you can't even go inside. You can't even go inside to these things, and you know, they make their meal the food for the person. Uh, you go up, you grab the bag, and then you just go on your way. And then the even better part is before all the COVID-19 stuff, if you were a delivery person, it means you usually had to go up to, you'd, you'd go into the, the like the high-rise apartment, a building, uh, apartment building, and they're like, all right, go deliver it to the person. But everyone's so freaked out now that they're just like, no, 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 just drop it off here. So it makes the job of being a delivery person like, a, a little bit more dangerous, but also like three times as easier. There's no wow. crowds. There's there's no nothing. It's just in and out. And um, but yeah, there have been some foolish people. There's like a really a hip Thai place in Soho, and like they were really lagging behind on their uh, on their deliveries and stuff. And all the delivery guys were just posted up in front, like definitely like two feet away from each other. It was even like a just like a lady also waiting for takeout there. And I was like, I'm just going to sit on this bench that's 30 feet away from you guys and yeah. wait. It, there's definitely some like foolishness going on uh, in these streets for sure. The but you are one. I saw... oh, sorry, go ahead, Gabe. Oh, I was just going to say uh, like shout outs to Danny and, and everybody who's still out here having to do having to do the labor, having to do the work. You know, Seriously. we've got the first responders, the EMTs, the firemen, the policemen and the uh, delivery people. Seriously. So, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's seen a solidarity to those going on strike. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, this is what uh, organized labor can do. This is why labor is more powerful than any protest that any of us will attend because they withhold like work they withhold profits they withhold capital um for the purposes of uh do you can do whatever the fuck you want and um they are doing it for a pro-social cause and that's pretty amazing they're not even doing it for like to increase their wages or to increase their you know um sick leave or whatever i mean like and those are all important things and all those people um who are doing it um should all be supported uh because it's necessary but uh the fact that ge is just these workers are doing it for the public good is kind of amazing. And I think it's um, hopefully getting people to rethink what a strike can be and what, it, uh, what it's capable of in this country. Yeah. The, the Instacart, it hits very close uh, to home uh, as a delivery person too, just because Instacart, I mean, like, I think like the theory of Instacart is obviously just being a, a person delivering your groceries. You know, I think they were originally contracted out through Whole Foods and what have you, but especially in, you know, the, these times, it's very much a thing that is like extremely frontline. And sometimes the people using Instacart are like, you know, legitimate, you know, you're a person who's like immunocompromised. You probably shouldn't go outside. It's definitely the case with like my friend, uh, my best friend of like 12 years. Totally understand. Um, but then also as a person who's been inside the Houston Whole Foods uh, in non-quarantine times, uh, that service is like very often just used by like very rich people who are like, I don't shop. <laughs> it's like i do some i pay I, I pay someone to shop for me and now they're demanding the same service uh but when it's physically dangerous to go outside so yeah that's awesome that they're doing it it's very cool yeah too drunk to fuck too rich to shop 
<laughs> have you guys been uh, following these stories? Uh, well, there was one that came out of France where uh, the wealthy are fleeing from Paris to go to their <laughs> second homes. And this is also happening in the U.S. where people are leaving New York City to go to uh, Long Island. Yeah. And the, and then but these these towns uh, were like either along the um, the shore here or the shore uh, in France. Those towns, the the full time uh, people that live there are like, we should burn the bridges and not let these rich people in because they show up (laughs) and then they they buy like five hundred dollars worth of groceries uh, and sort of buy out the whole stock of the store. They bring coronavirus with them to uh, to these places. And then if they get sick there, the local medical centers don't have the don't have the bed space or the equipment that uh they, Paris they just or... have a they have a ventilator <laughs> right 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 so it's like so selfish to go to these places and i really i like that it's heightening this class conflict though between the uh the wealthy part-timers and the locals yeah did you did you hear about the i can't remember where i heard it but did you hear about the the guy in montauk uh the rich guy in montauk who like went to the grocery store with the carrots did you hear about no. that no. no tell me about it yeah, it was just it was like it sounds like an old I mean, fable, by the way. Anyways, yeah, I it just it, I mean it's just a very class according thing where like Montauk is where the Hamptons is generally speaking for people who don't know, which is an incredibly you know summer a summering location, and you know some some like rich fuck went, you know who was like I'm gonna escape coronavirus and like went out to uh, his summer house and like went to the grocery store that is like very much being um, stocked at a non-summer level and he like went in with a grocery start uh grocery cart and then came out with a grocery cart just full of carrots <laughs> just like he just bought all of the, he just bought all the carrots <laughs> at this like this grocery store and it's he's like, like i for get what <laughs> for i'm going to have the healthiest eyes you've ever seen at the end of this yeah, quarantine it's just so unnecessary and it's like you it's like I, I maybe that's just sort of like the the uh, the elder uh, um, picture of the very rich is just uh, not taking what it's like take what you need you know and it's just like nope you don't need this you don't need all hey, the carrots. But, but like into, I mean like maybe this guy is like actually just like for the first time in the face of mortality like living his dream and finally becoming the carrot farmer that he always wanted to be <laughs> he's gonna plant those he's gonna plant some of those carrots in the backyard and become uh, the yeoman farmer that he always wanted to be the jeffersonian like, ideal yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's, it's like uh it's like uh, this is the opposite of colloidal silver silver guy uh but instead of turning blue he just turns like ink very orange you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like i like the idea of price gouging carrots um just like really specific things to um fuck people over during the apocalypse and i, I think that comes back to a constant theme in the ponzi universe, <laughs> which is which is yeah. finding finding more creative ways for billionaires to spend their money um i think one thing that we suggested in a prior episode was just buying every used book that came out or you know, buy, you know <laughs> just if you're a billionaire like why not just you know like um buy every carrot in Long Island. You know what I mean? Like you can just do these things and just have yeah. an arbitrary control over like all the little like um chubby doughy pizza guys that are like in Italian restaurants, you know, like 
those little guys that are in all pizza shops. You could just buy all of those, buy the patent to that, and then sell yeah. the patent to all pizza chains all over the country. Like, there needs to be more creative grift. That's right. We'll just cre- create a create a, an artificial scarcity for all carrot cake. Yeah. You just can't yeah. find it at any bakery after this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's what it would be. It would be carrot cake and then just um, uh, stews and salads. I think that's 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 what it is. You're just a guy with like a big a big pot like running around, just like oh god, like just like there are there. It's like there's no more. You can't. You Nothing, can't. Really, you really I, can't. I need a carrot, right? To something to sweeten my Guinness beef stew. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's it's. They could do all those things. Uh, I could. I really do love the idea of 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 somebody buying all and then copywriting the like. Mwah, guy at every pizza place that's <laughs> yeah. that's really lovely to me you know i i think that there's um there's a lot of different things that, that that we can really do but um one thing that um the government could do is be the sole owner of um two trillion dollar coins oh and they could they it would be great it would be great you could make so much money off of um off of that and you could give that to people. Um, this is something that was brought up um, last week um, by Rep. Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, friend of the pod. And she uh, basically had this idea to just give people a debit card with $2,000. This is the kind of uni- universal basic income idea to just give people money, nothing else, and you just give people a debit card that they reloads <coughs> every month with $1,000 until one year after the end of the coronavirus crisis. This did not happen. Um, this it did, did not. It did not happen. But what was cool about it is that um, she came up with the idea of funding it by minting a series of $1 trillion platinum coins. Dude, that's yeah. sick. How big would these coins be? I would want, like, I don't know if you guys remember Batman, Silver Age Batman. He had a bat cave, and inside of it, he had all of his trophies. And one of them was a giant, maybe 20-foot-tall penny. And that's what I sick. think this this trillion-dollar mm-hmm. coin should look like. You put it in the Smithsonian. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody's hot take on Twitter was just sort of like, what if a, what if a, B- a Brazilian man steals them? You know, like, uh, or... Uh, <laughs> Uh, always the people from Rio yeah. de Janeiro. Yeah, yeah. Or, or what if a what if a dirty Croatian guy comes in and just, hey, I want the bike. Oh, yeah, I just. Um, but like, yeah, they're, <laughs> that's the most uh, uh, like 1950s Italian uh, stereotype voice Croatian man. We are yeah, take, but we are taking. A but yeah, Balkan ethnic. <laughs> Yeah, but but I mean, people just assumed immediately. Like, who says a fucking coin has to be small? Make sure. it, may, put it in the MoMA uh, and make it out of. It's like, all right, maybe we don't have that much platinum. Fine, just make it out of fucking steel. You know. Okay. Okay. What if you make it the MoMA? <laughs> you make yeah. another MoMA. Why yeah. is the coin got to be circular? Yeah. What? Why can't it be a place where you go shopping? Like, just turn the the Oculus into a coin. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I really like that. Yeah. That's sick. Make a coin a subway station. Yeah. Yeah. I I propose Hoyt Skirmerhorn. Yeah. Coin coin Street. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Fucking Coin Street. 
but but the biggest the biggest thing that it's sort of highlighting overall, and I think something that people uh, and economists and whatever all the bigwigs in charge are sort of like not really acknowledging is this thing was like, what you gonna just make a trillion dollar coin? It's like, well, more so than that, it's like again something we've mentioned several times is that most money isn't even physical, so it's like it, it, it's sort of challenging that whole that whole mindset where they're just like you can't this is irresponsible why would you like you can't just do that it's like you can't what are we gonna do with it it's but the th- I mean, yeah the, but it goes to this idea of monetary theory that people are talking about these days and look the the united states um we have the what's called a fiat currency right we have a currency that is not that is the global like dominant currency we run the world baby our the dollar is still the the big boy and we also our our currency um is not backed by anything it's not backed by any other currency it's not backed by gold it's not backed by any other commodity so really um when the treasury makes something it is not making it, it, it it can't become indebted to anything it is just creating value it is purely creating value and there is no Mm -hmm. limiting constraint on value creation except for its inflation and ultimately like um it becomes so excessive that it it no longer has meaning right that's what inflation is is when a currency has so much there's so much of it that it doesn't really mean anything anymore and it doesn't really line up with with um, empirical value that is traded as goods and services, right? Um, so basically, there's this idea that debt doesn't exist in on the federal government level in the United Whoa! States. <laughs> yeah, no debt. Because yeah. who are we paying yeah. back? Like like people are like oh the U.S. debt is now ten trillion dollars. It's like who do we owe that to? The Treasury Department. Or is Steve Mnuchin going to be like, all right, everyone, time, okay, Mr. Trump, time for you to pay back ten billion dollars, ten trillion dollars? It's not ever going to happen. We don't owe any. If we are both the creditor and the debtor in a relationship, <laughs> yeah, then there is no relationship. We are the thing. So, yeah. um, basically, Rashida Tlaib's kind of a thing, and a lot of um, what are called you know modern monetary theorists. Um, talking about all sorts of domestic government projects that are maintained by the federal government. Um, What's the benefit to that is that you can do whatever the fuck you want. States, on the other hand, do have a separate relationship. States are not allowed to produce their own money, right? Yes, yes. uh, So we're like, yeah, so, so states have a different relationship and other countries can't do this either, right? This is specifically a thing that the u.s federal government can do and so i mean was uh, that when when did when were when did we start doing this i guess that would be a question that i have when did this stop when did this start becoming possible um oh 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 oh, oh. it was uh, like the 1970s right that's when we went off the gold standard right in the nixon administration that's right that's right yes um nixon was the last arguably was probably the last new deal um, president, he created the EPA. He got us off the gold standard. He warmed up relations with China. I mean, there, there. He was actually a very progressive um, 
guy. And frankly, the corruption that he did uh, compared to today's, today's standards. I mean, come on, dude. What did he do? He fucking spied, kind of. Uh, here yeah, who do, who doesn't do that? Who doesn't Yeah, spy? who doesn't do that? Come mm. on, come on. Come on, somebody is... leaves their yeah. journal around and yeah, the door's man. not locked to their bedroom, you're going to read some pages. He's come a, on, he... it's a it's a panopticon. Get into yeah. it, baby. He's more of a pervert than a crook, you know? Like, he's just... Yeah. Oh. He's being a peeping Tom. Peeping exactly. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so he got us off the gold standard. Um and that is why we are able to do this. Because if we were on the gold standard, then we would basically still have to translate the, our cash back to gold. And that gold w- was held in Fort Knox by the Federal Reserve. And so because there is that translation, the value of the dollar being pegged to gold, um, we can't – inflation is just a much bigger issue. It's just the easiest way to put it. And I don't really know how to say it any other way. Um, in order to get apple pies, right? Apple pies is cash, and apples Go are on. gold. And apples Go are on. gold, right? You can only make so many apple pies um, because you only have so many apples, right? I like that. That's, that's a good analogy in this case. People forget. I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, moral, moral of the story is it's just uh, you're, ta- you're tying something um, metaphorical to something physical. That's just... Yeah, uh, and so that's just you, what it is. Yeah, and so if you don't have pie, if you don't have, if you're making some other pie that's just dough and whipped cream, that's a cool thing to use in a sketch comedy program, such as yeah. all that by Nickelodeon. Then you would uh, not need apples, and so your currency is no longer pegged to the apple. So you can make as many fucking uh, pies as you want, uh, and the yeah. only thing, the only thing that is holding it back is how much fun people are having from the pies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you it's like if you uh you like apples, well, I got her number, so how do you like that? You know? That's the whole that's the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So that didn't happen, but what did happen um last week is the bailout, right? And I guess we want to talk quick quick words on that. Um Two Everything's better dollar. now. Two trillions. You read two trillion. Now? Yeah, you said after the after the, we're done, right? The bailout saved us. The bail. Yeah, we're all better. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling great. Honestly, I'm rich. <laughs> oh, I feel fantastic. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm fucking rich, bitch. Uh, I'm bailed. Um, I, I, you feel <laughs> bailed? I feel I feel bailed. I feel like um, like my dad picked me up from jail after I got a DUI. Um, and he's like, look, it's okay, I know the cop. But, so anyway, so the thing is, is that there are, there's a $500 billion distressed business fund, okay? So this was kind of a contention, and a lot of people didn't like the bailout because um, it had this, okay? And there are, there, are, there are journalists like Matt Stoller, who basically were like, Bernie is a stooge, um, Bernie's the worst because he supported this. He, um, AOC said that it was evil and horrible. Um, the Senate Republicans basically said that it was going to be an unlimited discretionary, uh, fund for any business, um, that is struggling, such as like airlines. Okay. That's like the, that's like the most obvious one. So basically it would be overseen by Steve Mnuchin, 
Um, but after criticism, um, in part thanks to Senate Democrats, uh, Republicans agreed to add on congressional oversight and said the inspect and basically had the inspector general um, be able to like further control, add further controls, and the inspector generals in the executive branch. Um, so <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The guy, uh, the guy who every nobody likes. Uh, has a guy who's also in that same branch who's yeah. gonna totally he's gonna totally do a fair and equitable uh, oversight over well oh wait oh, well actually before we go any further just so we can clarify because this was a question that I had um, mm-hmm. was so so I know so it seems like Bernie Bernie voted for it but mm-hmm. did AOC did AOC vote for it I forget she did she did she did but she, yeah. so okay so like. Because that was a question I had, was and, and something I was wondering up this entire time was like, is Bernie going to be the sole nay, or is AOC going to be like you know one of the people who says no? But it, it, I don't know. It's it's it seems like uh, it, nobody gave a shit. Like everyone was just like, nope, universal. I mean, I think that this it's, it's worth pointing out, and both of their voting records demonstrate this. And this is something that like no one really people on either side, no matter how you feel about Bernie and AOC, they don't really want to, like, point this out. Um, But really, Bernie and AOC's rhetoric is a bargaining chip. This is what is used as an opening gambit, okay? We are going to try and be as progressive and working class and supportive of the working class as possible. We're going to do something as much as we can. But ultimately, they will take an incremental improvement when they can get it, but it's all about creating leverage and creating a um, sort of like bargaining posture, you know? So if you like walk into, mm-hmm. um, let's say you're like uh, bargaining with um, uh, ha- someone who's selling t-shirts in Central Park, you say, I'll give you f- three bucks for it. And they're like, go fuck yourself. And they'll be like, okay, fine, $4. And then you finally bring it down. To f- like that, that's the way I see it. So anyway, so sh- they, their speeches were very nice. Um, and what it did was it in part... Um, Thanks to you know some of the work that Senate Democrats did, um, they gave the Inspector General power to report back to Congress um, on information in the fund, including the nature of the loan and its recipients. Um, it has the power to make informational requests from other agencies. Um, it is required to let Congress know if those requests are blocked. Um, I think from what I read, um, no Trump business is allowed to receive money. Um, there's a lot of conditions that... Um, people who are receiving money, they can't like take stock buybacks. Um, there's a lot of like restrictions on what uh, they can't. I don't think they can give dividends to their shareholders. There's, I think, there's a lot of things restrictions mm. on what a business can do. Um, and then there was some uh, signing statement basically um, that the Trump administration used. So a signing statement is like um, it's a thing that the president does when they're signing a bill and turning it into law. And it is basically um, their theory as to how they're going to enforce the law because the president has enforcement authority, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And they are going to, he's going to say, okay, well, I'm going to enforce it this way. And that's what a signing statement is. And so uh, his signing statement said, I do not understand and my administration will not treat this provision as permitting the inspector general to issue reports to the Congress without the presidential supervision. Uh, so, wait, wait, oh, wait, what? <laughs> so, so, wait, it, 
he so he just sort of, first of all i want to let the listeners know that i just put on some very cool sunglasses uh yeah, just so I, was, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to throw david off a little baby, bit uh baby, just, you look great i know i look like the central park t-shirt guy right now i'm gonna be real with you, uh, you threw me off you threw me i know <laughs> yeah. uh but so so wait did he basically <laughs> just say in his signing signing statement uh I do not know what's going to happen, and it, it, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I uh, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, like basically, they're all trying to like compete for who has ultimate authority, right? This is just like legislative versus executive, and there's there that's the they're just trying to decide who got who's got the one up of for the other person, and who gets to decide whether this corporation gets this bailout money for whatever reason. And they're mm-hmm. all just digging in these little caveats to wherever they can just to get their claws in to just like it's like the baseball bat, you know, when you're like stacking the ba- the hands on top of the baseball bat to try and get. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like yeah. doing that, but with the um, inspector general and Steve Mnuchin. Um, and uh, Steve, Mnuchin, Steve Mnuchin looks like he he's ne- he's only drank milk. He has like the most disgusting, <laughs> weird face and skin. It's just ugh, gross. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys – do? You, does this feel uh, – because some people like it, some people don't. What do you guys think about this? I mean, it just, it seems like uh, that Bernie and AOC kind of had to go along with it because it was politically expedient. It sounds like for anybody on the left, it would, it would almost feel like suicidal uh, for a low-information uh, audience to go against yeah. uh, getting – Twelve hundred to two thousand dollars back, or whatever the stimulus package is uh, offering, because it would be telling working class people you're not going to even get this, and everyone else is in the weeds over the corporate end of the bailout. Because, mm. like right now, even you talking about it makes it sound like, uh, well, well, what, ha- what does this really even mean? Who has oversight over it? How long is that oversight? Are these buyback? Is this um, restriction on on stock buybacks uh, a permanent thing, or is it just for a very short window of time? Yeah, you know, there's like, a lot of details in that in that that are just sort of like, I mean, granted, like the the bill itself is 800 pages long, so there's probably you know some details in there, but I think what Gabe's point basically says stands because, um, you know, I, I mean, my. My theory is, is in two to three to four years time, this will absolutely be an episode on dirty money on Netflix. Like this is, this is <laughs> going, I mean, like it's, it is absolutely, I mean, cause this is the, this is the grand difference between 2008 and 2009 and 2020 in terms of like economic stimulus packages. Cause in like 2008 and 2009, I mean, if you were a person who was like, this fucking sucks. I don't know the bot. You, you had you were way ahead of the curve in terms of like a political understanding of the world. Like that was like Barack Obama had just become president. Like yeah. no, I mean, there the left was like an infant, so you were almost forgiven for just you know not understanding this thing. Like what's happening now? I I, I mean, it really does just feel like wholesale like uh, chicanery uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> Like it, I mean, I mean, really and truly, I mean, and and it goes back to the whole enforcement thing. Is it's just like, uh, it it just doesn't matter. I mean, it's like it, enforcement is just it's whole it's a whole other fucking 
uh, bag of problems on its own. It's like, in theory, it is illegal to jaywalk in New York City. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. does it, ha- yeah, but like, it happens every day, all the time. So I d- think with this, what's going to happen is, you know, uh, maybe I'll get, you know, $1,200. Uh, who knows? <laughs> and and uh, then, yeah. To add on to what uh, Danny was saying is like if you're if the person who is ultimately responsible for oversight is in the executive branch, then that's somebody who's beholden to the president. Yeah. And uh, currently it's Donald Trump. And if it's another Republican or another president who's cozy with uh, big business, mm-hmm. then there is no oversight. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that's I mean, the, the end result is that it's like. I'm loaning you a ton of money and you don't have to tell me how you're using it and you never really have to pay it back. No, they don't ever have to pay it back. It's, it's, it's really more of a giveaway. Um, whereas actually the bailouts were in theory loans that were paid back with interest, um, which is something that kind yeah. of gets like neglected. But I mean, the financial crisis was a problem that started in the financial sector. You know, like this was a failure of Wall Street by Wall Street. This is... The coronavirus is a collapse of the grassroots consumer economy. Um, we are just going to like it is going to it's this did not come from you know some mortgage backed securities sort of thing and some failure of capitalism. What this is kind of just doing is just saying uh, exposing how um, artificial it really kind of is and how we've never really needed to pay full rent or we've never really needed to pay back um get like our wages from like a private employer because literally the federal government is going to be paying all of our wages for the next three months or something um, <laughs> right it's that, like... that's, that's part of the stimulus as well i mean we, we are literally going to start getting checks from the federal government um that's just paying our wages it's like what why have we been doing any of this <laughs> like uh none, none of this means anything this is all a trillion dollar coin yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really just exposing all those things, and certainly we wouldn't be seeing striking Amazon workers and the and Instacart workers in the same way uh, if this wasn't the case. I mean, like when that when that was announced today, uh, I was just sort of like, oh, ooh, this could like be the beginning of like meaningful. Uh, like you know, uh, like you said, solidarity and between workers and what have you. And uh, yeah, it's just it, this could be the beginning of something something very very meaningful yeah i agree with danny i mean like basically this is exposing so many things that could lead to possibilities you've got worker solidarity you've also got this idea of the completely fragile uh like like a gig economy with no safety net it's also exposing the lack of health care that migrant workers are getting uh people in prison and our giant homeless population both uh homeless people who are in shanty towns all over the country and homeless children that are stuck on the opposite side of the digital divide. Like all classes are being taught online right now. And none of the teachers who are teaching those online classes have had any training to do this. And a lot of the students that are at home right now who are supposedly getting online classes don't have computers or any of the, uh, man, that's a good point. So all of these things are being exposed and and so the, I'm very optimistic that uh if there are 
charismatic enough people out there to talk about these things and to get people to think about their uh, collective um, disenfranchisement, we could we could really get some great gains coming out of this pandemic. I actually kind of agree. I think that this is a bit like chaos is a ladder kind of a thing. Um, (laughs) All right, little finger, my man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I I mean, I I I think that this is, and the fact that like the United States is really going to be the nation that will stand out amongst the rest as handling the coronavirus the worst. We will handle it the worst. We are the wackest of the pack. We are the wackest of the pack. I have no doubt in my mind that we will handle this the worst. And in the um, Justice League, we're the Aquaman of the I mean, heroes. Even, <laughs> I mean, even <laughs> even Megan McCain uh, posted recently. She's like, "This just blows, bursts a bubble in my head as me thinking that America was the greatest nation on earth." And it's like if we can convince <laughs> Megan McCain, radicalize Megan McCain. <laughs> <laughs> like, if she all of a sudden is woke, you know, then like, yeah, what, like. We got it, you know. Um, I, I think that you don't really need. Um, I mean, I as much as like we want Bernie to be president, like you don't need elected officials to stage like a real grassroots mass action. Like as soon as we have a general strike, which I think could happen in the next month, I think is a very likely thing to happen. Um, it could happen. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as there is a mass strike, you just say, mass strike, we will not, nobody in this country will go back to work until there is Medicare for All and a Green New Deal. Done. That will get, that will, we will get both of those within two months of those things happening. And Trump will still be president. This will be both, like, you could get those things. We can get those things. You do not, like, think about the teacher strikes. Those are in Oklahoma and Kentucky and West Virginia and Arizona. You do not need Democrats. You do not need progressives in elected office to get what you want as a worker. Oh, yeah. And like that, that's one of those sort of like things where it's like, oh, my God. But do you really want Donald Trump to be the person who accomplishes these things? And I was like, I don't give a shit about what or he does or doesn't accomplish. If you're telling me the 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 trade off is Donald Trump. Ha, gets to be president for four more years uh but the with, like there's the chi- you know we get like all these things through this this massive traumatic event you know it's just sort of like oh fuck oh yeah o- of course and it's not one of those things like obamacare that that you know you can pick apart as easily because obamacare was just fucking shoved down everybody's fucking throat so hard that like you know, ever since then, it's just been sort of nitpicked away and stuff. But yeah. like, if Medicare for all or, or anything meaningful actually just just got like you know enacted during this presidency, that's that is a tra- a trauma bond. Everybody would just be like, "No, you can't fucking take that away." Remember when we were all dying? You know, it would just. I, I mean, maybe I'm being a little optimistic about you know what people will or won't do, but I think it's way more meaningful anyway. <laughs> Well, maybe it creates a, it creates uh, the this pandemic creates a new reality where uh, the scientists will be listened to because they've constantly been been saying that this is inevitable that it's going to happen again. It's not if, it's when, and yeah. now yeah. it's that's really come home to roost because we haven't had we've had scares like SARS and Ebola uh, and uh, the swine flu, but none of that really 
uh, took off the way this did. The last time we had a huge pandemic like this was the Spanish flu of 1918, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was global like this. But, uh, but so we've been long overdue for something like this. And if, yeah, if, yeah. if people can keep this sort of fear in their memory, like there's a whole generation of little kids that are uh, having an unprecedented situation where they're quarantined at home. And a I whole mean, generation of parents traumatized by having their kids at home every day like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, if there's... Okay, so think about the things that have happened in the past 12 years that have made us... Um, basically completely like pierce the bubble of what um of the myths of america right the financial crisis and the bailouts the election of donald trump i would say something like jeffrey epstein and and now this if this doesn't if those sorts of things don't um get to you um then you're probably going to be one of those people who is like going to go to liberty university during the pandemic (laughs) and get it anyways you know like there are just people who will I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see how this could not wake you up, you know? Well, what's wild about this, whereas, like, when you take uh, a lot of other illnesses or diseases, you can stigmatize a small community for that. Like, let's say with HIV, yeah. uh, like, at first it was, uh, like, gay people were stigmatized for it, and then it became a disease of minorities or the poor or, or drug addicts. But uh, coronavirus or COVID-19 affects... It's a disease of the affluent as much as anybody else. Like, who are the people spreading it around the world? It's jet set affluent people. We have people Johnson going to these. Bolsonaro. Yeah, uh, Prince Charles has it in England. So actually, uh... um, I, I have it from a source. Um, this is like a fourth degree removed that someone who works at Fox News um, told someone that I know that um, that Donald Trump does have coronavirus um, and they've been hiding it, and that would not surprise me at all. Um, anyways, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Gabe. Go ahead. No, no, not at all. But, but that's, that's the thing is like, this is a disease that ties the classes together more tightly and it collapses that, that hierarchy. And it, it, it's these things that, uh, scare the wealthy into seeing their commonality with everyone else that will bring about universal, um, protocols for everyone's safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it basically has to be to a point where you need to threaten the ruling class with, like, communist revolution or they need to pass these things. I mean, that, that, that's, like, what it will take to get even a public option passed in this country, I swear to God. Like, they, that's how <laughs> certain members, um, certain, like, sectors of this country are about collective action. Um, to admit that climate change is real. You know what I mean? Like, it would take... Yeah, I mean, like, there's just... There, there is yes, yes. There, you need to have someone like Rush Limbaugh die from coronavirus, and like, you know, like it, it's, <laughs> well, you it's, can only hope. <laughs> it's like really hit home for for certain for uh, certain swaths of the populace, but um, you know, like Rupert Murdoch to die from coronavirus or something like that. I mean, certainly would be like a nice a nice thing for all of us to celebrate. Um, but like, <laughs> what, what is going to take Henry Kissinger out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now i it'll be me driving a bus like that's what's gonna take it uh, a parody but anyways uh, yeah no i fucking yeah. maybe, that guy's maybe, that guy's we in, know like, that's a joke danny all you got is a bicycle yeah bro. yeah 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 <laughs> For the NSA, for the NSA out there listening, if you took that seriously before Danny said parody, you're a fucking lunatic. 
Yeah, yeah you one. think I could like take care of you think I could commandeer a New York City uh, uh, bus that shit you know those things are being boarded up right now you got to enter through the back even uh, <laughs> um, but we should move on because um, there's a, a couple more things that we need to talk about um, first yeah one um, is this insider trading thing I think we should just mention it talk about it what the hell is it um, it's so what it is it's so funny it's the funniest shit that's ever existed it's, it's hilarious it's so hilarious and obvious they're not even trying <laughs> yeah dude uh what um what what happened guys what happened uh, i mean it was like it, i i mean okay actually this is good because i don't even know the full details of it but i know what happened where it was it was a bunch of fuck uh, like Somewhere between four and six Congress people basically dumped and or bought uh, incredibly prescient stocks just before Corona hit, inflating their net worth, you know, somewhere between like $100,000 or several million, depending on the person. And it's so obvious that everyone is just sort of like, oh, this is this is fucking dumb. This is so this is so stupid. <laughs> so this is the type of stuff that got Martha Stewart sent to prison. Yeah. Right? Yes. But, but yes. these so these Congress people she, she was not in a Senate uh a, a Senate committee uh, <laughs> getting briefed on the coronavirus. Uh, that, so, that's that's so, for that's for that's for the 2030s when when Martha Stewart becomes gets elected senator. Um So what what she did was pretty negligible. Decade, if we're all just playing roulette. Like th- yeah. these are policymakers. These are policymakers that we have given, uh, we've elected into positions where they are supposed to be looking out for our best interests, and they hear uh, over a month ago that this is going to be a big deal. Coronavirus is going to is going to have a huge impact on the economy, and they sell all of their stocks yeah. uh, in the sectors that are going to be affected, <laughs> and then invest in the sectors that will benefit <laughs> in the sector and, that we're literally using right now. And, and this is stuff that like, I don't know what, like the sec or so what, what organization, what institution of government goes after inside traders and can see the, can see these, these bumps in, in cells and, uh, by what, it is selling the, off it is the sec, um, right. The so getting involved now. juicy, uh, love it. Let's yeah, get them in dude. there. Yeah, you got when the FBI is getting involved, it's like, oh, this is like NCIS. This is like, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. Insert TV show here. Um, well, yeah. well, this is actually the thing that I was wondering about, and I think maybe you might have some expertise about this, David, because I, everybody, you know, it's a common thing now. Everybody knows that these 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 senators basically, you know, did this. It's incredibly obvious. The real question is now is like, is there any actual meaningful repercussions that come from it and i don't know if you have any insight into that or like how that could be prosecuted so um basically i mean so to go over all the details right so uh there there is one congressman uh senator richard burr of north carolina he is the one who is kind of the been hit hit the hardest uh in terms of publicity because what happened was he after he got this private briefing on this pandemic he privately unloaded as much as 1.7 million dollars in stocks from industries <laughs> that would be hit hard for, by the pandemic okay? fucking loser man so the when like again like 
insider trading is a crime because it is profiteering off of information that other people do not have access to. So if you think that the stock market is a fair game, it's like counting cards and blackjack. Yes. That's what it yes. is. That, that's like that's like the crime of that's like the rules breaking, you know, scoldy, you know, liberal capitalist um, sort of crime that is committed. But the real crime that everyone gets mad about is that these people are profiteering off of coronavirus and that they are I mean like so the moral crime is in some ways distinct from the like technical rule breaking that they committed um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and to me, it's it's the moral crime that I think uh, that that really offends me the most, just because these are people within government, which yeah. makes it uh, worse than uh, just a just a business person pulling a grift. You know, these are people who who we've entrusted. Uh, it's it's almost like a cop. It's a cop being dirty uh, mm. versus a civilian being dirty. Yeah, right. It's a bad, like ser- a civ- bad serpico. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bizarro Serpico. And so when I see, when I hear that these people did this and you brought up the counting cards example, this is when I want a scene out of Goodfellas to happen to these senators, you know? I want the scene where they where the where the two guys that are counting cards and sending messages through yeah. uh, Morse code. Oh, I yeah. want them to I want these senators to be pulled into a back room and be and asked uh, wh- whether or not they can uh, count cards with their left hand and then have both of their hands smashed with mallets. Mm. <laughs> on live mm-hmm. tv <laughs> yeah yeah i want some i want somebody to get hit in the head with a shovel it's just like you're out you, and yeah you're, you're absolutely right gabe it's it's just a situation where it's just like look the amount of insider trading that goes on in any given time is probably like more than zero essentially yeah. but because it's just like so obvious <laughs> it's people are well, out people are just out for blood now you know so, so i mean it, it's yeah they they just they got told what the problem was and instead of helping all the rest of us uh prepare for this calamity this national calamity they got theirs but this is why i but this is why i ultimately like the the big short ultimately there are no good characters in the big short the movie all of them are shorting the entire financial system in the same way that Richard Burr allegedly did with his stock trading. Like it is all of these guys, this is when we talked about the big short is like all those guys had information that the financial sector, that the global economy was about to crash. And they, 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 they didn't, I mean, they owed a duty to the public, not in the same way that a Senator does, but they are humans. And you, there is a bit of a, okay, you have a duty as a person to make a good faith effort to, report this to the sec or to one other reporter besides your college roommate um and <laughs> they, they they didn't really do that um and that, that just kind of came to my head um but like um if you guys want to get really really mad there's um the second character in this is senator kelly loffler um she's a republican oh Georgia. yeah she also um she made 27 stock trades after receiving private reports in january about the public health crisis. Um, so uh, the thing is, is that her husband is the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. What? Yeah, yeah, I've been hearing about that, and I was wondering, like, wait, 
Okay, so that okay, this is something maybe you could actually clarify. Clarify, like I was thinking, like, wait a minute, if he's the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, wouldn't he almost be more like tuned into like how stocks move and stuff? I mean, granted, she's the one getting the information from it, but I'm like, wait, wait what? He's part of. Like, I don't know. That was just kind of confusing to me, you know. Well, he would be getting, but the th- the thing is, is that. What they're trading on is not information that's in the stock market. They're trading on information that is being revealed in a non-public Senate hearing about the effects of coronavirus. So insider trading doesn't necessarily require like access to a certain um, uh, business's performance. Like, remember when we uh, did that episode on uh, Rep. Cicilline, who was the guy who endorsed Trump, who like did insider trading with his son. Um, yeah, in in New York, so he was using the test results from this experimental drug trial, and he was trading off of that. Um, that was a privately held business's drug test results, and he traded off of that, and he got um, accused of insider trading for that. And then this is um, a non-public piece of information. And people are making huge movements in the economy based off of that. Um, Buster? (laughs) Yeah, you're in trouble, Buster. So the maximum sentence for insider trading is 20 years in federal prison. The maximum Mm. criminal fine is $5 million. And the maximum fine for um, non-natural persons, uh, such as if you're like an entity um, whose securities are publicly traded, so like for a corporation – so a corporation can get charged twenty five million dollars. Um, okay. So that 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 that's the that's what you're looking for for sentencing that these people could face. Um, and then just because it's, I feel like it's important for us to um, say everyone who was also accused of it, so it can be fair. Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma, Senator Dianne Feinstein of Democrat of California, um, and those are the big boys that have all been hit by it. I think, as far as I can tell. Those are the ones that are getting the ethics inquiry, the FBI investigation, um, and they can all face. Hey, that. pop! I mean, hey, 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 pop! Pop quiz, hot shots. Uh, who remembers why Jim Imhoff is uh, an asshole for, uh, and what he did as these one of the senators from Oklahoma? Does anybody remember what he did specifically? I know, maybe, maybe. I oh, know. Dave, David, David might know. Dave, Gabe, do you remember what Jim, Jim James Imhoff did? No, but I just remember him from some creepy documentary on Netflix called The Family, which Ooh, is all about uh, right-wing Christian uh, or um, like boys clubs that um, you know uh, have have infiltrated all of uh, Washington D.C. political circles. Boys yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that. That is also that is also true. David, what do you think he did? I w- I think what he did was he um, he threw that snowball. In a climate hearing, was he the snowball boy? Yep, Jim yeah. Im- James Imhoff. He is the snowball guy uh, yeah. who brought the snowball into the uh, the halls of Congress and said, "How can there be cl- climate change when I've got a snowball right here?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was that guy. And also, my dad is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and actually knew uh, James Imhoff's son. Oddly Whoa. enough, so he. He knows uh, he he's met. I think he's actually met him, and he knows the Imhoffs. I mean, he doesn't like them, but he's just like they are. <laughs> they are part of uh, they are part of Oklahoma. They're Oklahoma shitheads, and 
And this is even weirder. This is the weirder thing. And this is something that gets hidden all the time, but I don't mind exposing it or anything. In the 2016 election, when Bernie and Hillary were going up against each other and they were doing like some sort of little preamble with Bernie, they were like, Bernie, tell us something about how you work across the aisles or somebody who's like a, an unlikely friend. And Bernie's like, well, people may not think this, but I'm actually decently good friends with James Inhofe of Oklahoma. <laughs> He's like, and it's well, like, we won't make a big deal out of it, but sometimes we play basketball. It's not yeah, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, 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 You know. Which is, I mean, his, which is fucking weird. It always, I'm amazed it doesn't get brought up more often against him because it's just <laughs> right. It's just the snowball guy. Everybody knows the snowball guy and how he's just uh, like abjectly awful. But yeah, well, it's, he's terrible. Isn't that he's like terrible. Ruth Bader Ginsburg being like loving a- Anton Scalia? Yeah. You yeah, know? I mean, that, strange I mean, the, bedfellows, the, baby. It's a it, that's a thing though. The Supreme Court, the Supreme Court's only like you know nine people. Uh, you're all lifetime appointed. It's absolutely just like this weird little club. It's, there's a hundred senators, so you know, it's like you can. I mean, you could you you could potentially you befriend. Ton, yeah, so <laughs> many people. <laughs> there's so many more friends that you yeah. could have. Uh, yeah, but yeah, don't settle. There's a lot of other thick snacks out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, James Imhoff, uh, huge shithead for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it shows. Um, you know, Bernie is a curmudgeon. Um, in, in like, you know, obviously it's endearing because he's loyal to the working class, and that's like a nice thing. But he doesn't really have like really. Um, like austere aesthetics and like really like um, put together kind of manners and maybe he gets along that that allows him to get along with someone who's just like an open and flagrant um, evil person because that person also does not have austere aesthetics and is like not a great um, he's not a charmer James Inhofe is not a charmer and I guess Bernie is also not a charmer but it, for different reasons um, so maybe that's yeah. why. It, or they're just old. They're fucking old dudes, and they both like, you know, old dude shit, like Frank Sinatra or like TM TMC movies. <laughs> I don't yeah, I honestly, I honestly think, because um, you know, Bernie, he won the Utah um, primary when that was happening on Super Tuesday, and I actually think that the reason, or one of the reasons he won that, is uh, because he's uh, he co-sponsored that bill, uh, not with um, Mitt Romney. But with uh, Mike Lee, yeah, with Mike Lee, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, his 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 uh, his bedfellows always strange. It's always it's always strange when they when they do come up, uh, who he's friends with or who he gets along who he gets along with. But uh, yeah, uh, weird shit. He, he he does this thing where like personality wise, I think that like a lot of politicians um, make the mistake of trying to be everyone. Like you know when like Pete Buttigieg goes to like the South, all of a sudden he has a Southern accent. And then when he goes to South Carolina, he all of a sudden talks like Barack Obama. And then, like, when he, you know, like, he just, like, like or Hillary Clinton was very famous for doing the same thing of, like, picking up accents. Um, when they go Love somewhere. a code switch. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Bernie is one of the, personality-wise, he is, he has had a Brooklyn accent from the 60s since <laughs> he left it in the 60s. Like, he hasn't lived in Brooklyn for decades, and he doesn't have a Canadian accent. 
You know, can I tell you, I have a friend, this is a Bernie anecdote. I have a friend and she was like, oh, I love I'm, it. I'm off put, I'm off put by Bernie. Right. And his, and his, and his, uh, finger wagging and how rude he appears. And, and then, uh, I, I had her watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and, uh, we watched Uncut Gems and then we mm. watched Mark Maron's special and she was like, oh, Bernie's not rude. He's just Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have yeah. to examine something about myself. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, she just she p- picked up on his um on his mannerisms and just you know became ac- you just got to become acclimated to that Brooklyn vibe that's that swagger. Yeah, he's got that, and he uh, so because he is just so clearly and openly like himself, maybe that is what attracts him to fucking weirdos like he's friends, but it's. Closest friends are like Nina Turner and James Inhofe. What? Who who is this man? Um, So, uh, anyways, uh, that's 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 what we got. They've and James Inhofe has been accused of insider trading. Uh, Yes, (laughs) yes, of of course, of course. Next story. Next story. Uh, We are looking at um, the Intercept. Um, There is a company called uh, a pharmaceutical company called. Gilead Sciences. Basically, it uh, sought to have exclusive marketing rights um, for a promising treatment, uh, antiviral drug, uh, for the coronavirus. The you know the most recent one called Remdesivir. Is that how you pronounce that? No. Uh, do you see that, guys? Um, so basically. Um, Last week, the, uh, the, Fed, the Food and Drug Administration had awarded Gilead seven years of exclusive marketing rights to the drug through this obscure act called the Orphan Drug Act. Um, basically, oh. <laughs> oh, it's an or- oh, it's an orphan. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like a, a little Oliver Twist. That Gilead Sciences yeah. drug. <laughs> Love it. Basically, the statute was designed to um, induce pharmaceutical companies to make treatments for rare diseases that affect fewer than 200,000 people. The coronavirus will not affect under 200,000 people. As of Wednesday afternoon, uh, this is last week, but now it's much more. Um, now there are, what, over 600,000 cases as of Monday, uh, March 30th, the day we're recording this. Um, there's going yeah, to be something, a mil- like, something like that. There's going to be a million by the end of the week. David, let's pause there for a second because coronavirus is a brand new virus that none of us have an immunity to which means that every human on earth could be affected by it yes (laughs) (laughs) so so gilead would it be uh would have would have uh their fingers in everybody's pie yeah baby everybody what a weird (laughs) what a weird turn of phrase but you know what Uh, i mean oh i like it i like that phrase um and i like it literally uh I think, I, I think um, that is true. They could very well have become like the gatekeepers for the cure, um, and just they could have been the the Long Island carrots of uh, vaccines. <laughs> My favorite um, hockey team. <laughs> and uh, they um, so basically, what happened was there was a lot of public outcry. I think the Intercept. Uh, this was reporting by Sharon Lerner, um, and. They, they decided um, there's some outcry and there, there's even this uh, organization called Public Citizen uh, that issued a press release 
Gilead has submitted a request to the FDA to rescind the orphan drug designation. It was granted for the investigational uh, antiviral remdesivir for the treatment of COVID-19 and is waiving all benefits that accompany the designation. Gilead is confident that it can maintain a timeline, regulatory review, blah, 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 blah. and scene. We did it, folks. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Does, wait. does that mean that this company is so afraid of um, being ripped shred to sh- shred to shreds like that they're actually like, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm not even uh, I'm not even going to try to get this weird little designation. Uh, nope. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, they got caught, I think, is really just the easiest way of thinking about it. And they did it. They got caught. I mean, like very likely what happened was there was some in-house lawyer who was like okay i am an expert in um patent law specifically related as specifically relates to drugs pharmaceuticals and i have an obligation as their lawyer to make sure that they make as much money as possible so i'm going to do my due diligence and Mm -hmm. apply for this and then i'm going to get caught and there's going to be it's going to be uncomfortable and then we're going to walk it back and then we're going to look like the good guys um and the thing is is that What's interesting, there is also another obscure law, uh, because the thing is that everyone's very concerned that Gilead is still going to price gouge in some way, even though they're not relying on this, like, crazy, crazy generous intellectual property rights um, for um, this, like, orphan drug law or whatever. Um, They are still concerned about price gouging because they have a – Gilead has a history of price gouging from the AIDS crisis (laughs) – and it has a history. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, uh, people, uh, they've, done, they've done it before. And so people are worried that they're going to do it again. So, I mean, look, this company is valued at $100 billion. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So they, they created this preventative HIV drug, Truvada, that costs six, that $6 to manufacture. It costs almost $2,000 a month in the United States. Um, God damn. Truly. God damn. <laughs> truly. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the, oh, that's the, so bad. <laughs> the Magic Johnson. I mean, like the Magic Johnson South Park um, joke is like becoming as real as it can be. Uh, if you guys remember that episode. Um, do you guys remember that episode of South Park? It's no? just where. Do they do they just sort of like grind up money and then inject it into them or something? I feel like that's yeah. it, right? Yeah, that's the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, they fi- like Magic Johnson finds a cure for AIDS, and it's just, like, a million dollars liquefied <laughs> injected. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and that cure was invented by Gilead Pharmaceutical. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, like, so, basically, there is um, people still have a little bit of faith that even though they're concerned about price gouging because Gilead has done this in the past, there is this section of the law... Um, that gives the government the right to override a patent at any time as long as the company receives reasonable compensation. So this is um, the equivalent of eminent domain. Um, yeah, it's, it, it sounds like it, actually. Yeah, so you, you guys know what eminent domain is? Uh, is that, <laughs> that's when the government decides that it can uh, you know, buy your land so they can build a highway through your property. Or right. uh, it can basically, yeah, it can basically just like nationalize your little your little piece of land, but it's got to give you some compensation for that, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. the market value is that they determine. Right. 
right. In, yeah, unless you're a um, a black neighborhood in the 1950s and you have to build the highways. Um, but and then that, con- that number can be nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a, that is another conversation. Um, shout out to the Rondo neighborhood in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, but the uh, Section 1498 basically allows for eminent domain over intellectual property uh, for patented products. So there is some hope out there, guys. Uh, Gilead Pharmaceuticals, um, they're they're the. Uh, I think that you could say that they're the bad, they're the baddest boys on the Ponzi scheme that I've okay. encountered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess uh, from a healthcare perspective, something that, uh, else that I saw, which I think people noticed, and and obviously it's a good thing, but I think it bears repeating, is the fact that throughout this entire crisis, um, both the countries of Spain and Ireland were just like, all right, we're nationalizing our hospitals. We're just uh, we're just gonna up and do that because it turns out that when shit is just totally fucked where you are, um, all that you know blathering on about um, like oh that's just something that we don't do or whatever it just kind of goes away with the wind when literally like hundreds of people uh, in your nation are dying every day, <laughs> uh, particularly yeah. so with Spain. Yeah, yeah. There's that there's that hospital in Philadelphia right now. The uh, Hanneman Hospital that uh, where the owner is requesting like over a million a million dollars a month to rent it, and uh, the the city government won't just take it when that's what I would do, just nationalize yeah. the hospital. See, this is the thing about this 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 whole uh, public health crisis that is like one of the few silver linings to it is it's just really going to bring all the fucking ghouls. To the surface like everybody who has a who has a real fucking like you know angle up their sleeve who is just sort of like who's like so tacky like the people at a party who are going to like <laughs> you know they're gonna make toast in your toaster you know at, at, at the sort of at your house at a party and they're like what i'm just gonna do it you know and they're just they're it, they're it's gonna bring those people to the surface and i i, I can't say that you know, they're necessarily going to suffer for their deeds, but maybe there could be a degree of shame and or uh, public ostracization that happens that maybe does affect something. It's hard to say, you know, everything's sort of up in the air. Yeah, Yeah, man. Honestly, yeah. It's not only bringing out all the grifters, which we, which is, you know, for us as, uh, as podcasters on the grift, this is what we learn about. This is what we study. This is our bread and our butter is learning about these, uh, you know, Mr. Friedman in Philadelphia, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gilead Pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, all, Mr. Senator Burr in North Carolina. Um, all of these folks are what it's all about for us. It, but it, it, it also reveals really um, how uh, meaningless our financial system and our economy is otherwise because, like, we're seeing um, – $2 trillion being spent. Oh, the deficit never meant anything. Um, people are nationalizing hospitals. Oh, we've always been able to do that. Like, not all of the, um, I don't know, all, like, all the limiting constraints in our lives um, are, are, are not very much. That's all I have to say about that. Or, like, we could have had all the COVID tests. We could have had tests for coronavirus if we'd taken them from the, from the World Health Organization. But for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason, our government said, no, we've got to make them. 
we've got to get them outsourced to some uh, our own company, which fucking dropped the ball. Yeah, there's a there's there's a um a lot's a, a lot's getting exposed, and um, I think I think the game at this point is just to see. You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of shit flying through the air, a lot of grifts flying through the air, and if you could just accomplish just one little like, hup, you know, just catch something out of there, it just like and not have too many people die, like you know, I mean, I think that's all you can hope for right now, you know. Uh, well, we can we can uh, let's we call it here, and guys, uh, let, let's get back and let's discuss um, the the next thing, which I think we should discuss, which is other plagues, and. That's that's what we're gonna do, talk about next time. I think we, there is a lot to talk about with the Black Plague, with the Spanish flu, and what like uh, Ebola. Ebola, 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 yeah. Ebola, and uh, maybe maybe some other little gems in there. Maybe some little uh, plague gems. So yeah, uh, I don't know. That could be something we could talk about later. Uh, let, let's let's call it a day. We're all tired. We're all gonna go what masturbate for the fourth time today. Uh, uh yeah <laughs> one week free <laughs> pornhub they're the, they're the real uh primary care providers during this crisis yeah. <laughs> essential workers <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh well shukran uh for being on the show today danny <laughs> and shukran to you gabe for being on the show today uh our names are gabe pacheco and um, my name, sorry, my name is David Bradley Eisenberg. <laughs> uh, we are all yeah. Gabe Pacheco. <laughs> and and uh, this has been Ponzi Scream, guys. We love you. Good night. It, it has yep. been. All right. Bye. 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 See you next week. See you. <laughs>